Thank you for listening to Absolutely Not, a live podcast series sponsored by Good Fair. Good Fair is a unique online thrift store experience that encourages people to go beyond shopping secondhand and become full-fledged conscious consumers. You can save the world and have fun doing it with their pre-loved clothing bundles. Just text G-O-O-D-F-A-I-R to 88619 to receive your special offer code for 30% off. Then let your thrifting begin. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Scherl. I am a certified career coach and a people consultant who is dedicated to providing examples of setting personal boundaries at work and the vocabulary needed to name harm in those spaces. That vocabulary includes microaggression, gaslighting, and abuse. We used to go over the definitions of those words, but that segment has now been moved to my website under my resources page. So feel free to go through it and look at the definitions of these words and more. Today's episode is titled, Don't Overthink It. I know, that's a good one. As always, these special guests, they come up with amazing titles. My special guest today is VJ Johnson. VJ pivots a lot. VJ is a former teacher turned software implementation manager turned talent recruiter turned DEI practitioner turned data analytics professional. When not at work, VJ can be found squeezing their cat searching for the world's best chocolate chip cookies and dragging their partner, Alana, on insufferable window shopping trips. Thank you so much, VJ, for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this episode specifically because of the title. Where did that amazing title come from? Well, it is kind of meta um, and also to be taken literally. So I'm a very analytical person. I can easily overthink things. Um, And this was literally the first thing that popped into my mind when I met with Katrina. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go opposite of my habit. I'm not going to write a rank list of all these options and spend a bunch of time on it. I'm just going to go with this. Um, I'm going to trust the intuition. And so I found that it really works because sometimes um, I have found difficulty in overthinking whether or not to set a boundary with someone because I think it's easy to do that. And when you overthink or when you've overthought in the past, um, did you kind of feel that afterwards, the consequence of that afterwards? Yeah, you know, because I think sometimes it would lead me to delay setting the boundary or maybe talk myself out of doing it entirely. Oh, wow. Talk myself out of doing it entirely. Okay. Let's talk about that. Um, when was the last time you've done that? Huh. You know, I think that I've gotten better over time with setting the boundaries, but I think the, the most recent and last time that I can think of, um, and I talked myself back into it, but I did talk myself out of it, um, was being a new staff member on a job and a, a meeting was running over and it was literally my first couple of days on the job and I wanted to leave, you know, like it was five o'clock and I, I wanted to leave. And um, 
I was like, you know what? It's literally my first day on the job. Like, I can't say anything. This is going to, you know, you don't want them to think this, you know? So I didn't say anything. The next day on the job, it happened again. Like there was another meeting that went late and I was like, I need to go. Like, I would like to leave. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just, I really need my day to be done. Um, and I thought this was going to end. And so I remember sending a DM to someone asking like, how do people slash, do people leave meetings here? You know, cause just trying to feel out the environment. And the person was like, oh yeah, you just say, I'll catch up on the notes and click leave meeting. Like, that's what you do. And I did it, you know, and I'm new on the job. I'm like, huh, how's this going to work out? But I just think I didn't want to keep staying there, sitting there and like, cause I don't want to sustain that. I don't want to sustain like, oh, I'm always willing to stay 15 minutes late and have no acknowledgement of the fact that the meeting's running over and things like that. So I was like, you know what? I might as well do this on day one. Cause if they fire me on day one, then okay. You know, like it's better for both of us to find out really quickly that this isn't going to work out. Right. It is better for both of us to find out really quickly. I love that. I love that you said sustain as well, because if you continue to let your boundaries be crossed or continue to be uncomfortable in that space, then those people will think, oh, this is sustainable. This type of relationship that we are creating together is sustainable. I love right. that word. Ooh, Thank you. I also love the research that you did before setting that boundary. It's just because um, we, of course, don't want to assume ill intent when people cross our boundaries. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe y'all just have long meetings for no reason. But you did <laughs> research before having that conversation or taking action. Where I know that you are a data analyst, but where did that research mindset come from? Was there ever a time you weren't research oriented? You know, I think it comes from really trying to know the water that I'm swimming in because um, it's very hard to build a relationship. Um, and I think it's, it, you can destroy your reputation very quickly. It takes a long time to build. You can destroy it very quickly. So I think especially being new, um, I would like to keep the job. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to understand how people operate. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't always mean like, especially if there's a conflict between how, I, what's authentic to me and what's authentic in the organization. I just want to be armed with that information to know. Um, that way I can choose where it's like, mm, if this is like antithetical to how they typically do things and I'm pressing here, doesn't mean I won't do it. I just need to know that that's like what I'm getting into. So I, I think it just helps me to feel really like I'm in control of my situation where I'm making those informed choices. And, you know, sometimes I'll decide maybe this isn't going to be the, the hill to die on. And other times it's like, you know what, actually, I do think that this is worth saying something. Oh my gosh. I love the informed choices. So if you had just said, okay, I'm just going to leave these meetings because y'all talk too much and these <laughs> meetings are all the time. If you had not gotten the information that it's okay to do that, or you hadn't even started that conversation, then people on the other side might've seen it as ill intent on your side. you been like, oh, wow, they're not a team player. Da -da, mm -hmm. all of that. But that conversation had never started. So how did you get your information? You just created that. Um, has that ever happened to you? Has someone perceived you as not a team player and didn't get the right information? 
Uh, I mean, I definitely think that I have been perceived as not a team player at times in the past. Um, and I think sometimes that language of team player, it's very um, misleading. I think it can be, um, I don't know how I would phrase it, but I think that sometimes it's used to try to keep people doing something that is uh, too much for them, you know, for the sake of wanting to be a team player. It's asking people to overextend themselves or asking people to compromise themselves. And um, I think as I've gotten older, I have cared less about um, how exactly, you know, I mean, it's like, I want to keep the job, but just the necessity of being liked and being viewed as agreeable. I've started to care less about that and care more about myself, really. Care more about myself. Because let me tell you, you thinking that I'm a nice person is not going to get this data analyzed, right? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not a data analyst. But I love that you have cared less and are encouraging others to care less about what other people are perceiving about them. Um, who has been in your career or maybe even in your personal life has helped you to get to this point of caring less? Yeah, you know, I think there's, oh, wow. I think early in life, of course, there's, you know, my mom. Um, and I think my mom is someone that I've learned a lot of setting boundaries from. And I have kind of like a, a meta example or story about, about that. Um, you know, starting getting my first job, I remember her telling me like, never make coffee in the office. Like that's not something that you have to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like I wouldn't have thought it would be an issue, but you know, this is what she's telling me. Um, and that's what I knew as a kid. I told her that I was coming on this show and I was like, oh, I think you should go on it. And she told me no. So it's like <laughs> super meta. She's just telling me, no, I'm not going to go on the show. But I was like, oh, you know, remember that time you told me like never make coffee in the office. Like that's the type of stuff I think you should go on the show and talk about. And she's like, I'm not going on that show. But what, um, what is, I think so powerful from that is she told them, you know, in that moment on her job, they asked her to make the coffee. She said, I don't drink coffee. I don't think I should be the person to make the coffee. Um, they didn't like that. They made her make the coffee anyways. She tells me that she put pepper in the coffee and because it tasted funny, they never asked her to make it again. So I think that there's always this like, if someone doesn't receive what you've said, you still have an option. You know, you can still be subversive um, and you might have to get stuff done that way. Um, but I think, you know, that was kind of my orientation to how you can conduct yourself in the workplace. Um, and so, you know, even with that strong foundation, it's still very hard. It's still really difficult. I've still struggled. Um, I think another sort of transformative moment that I was very lucky to have is I had a really, really strong Black female manager that was, I mean, I don't think she was fearless. Maybe she is, but just the way that I think it, what is it, courage or bravery where like you feel the fear and you do it anyways. Mm -hmm. I don't know what was going on in her mind, but she really stood up for herself. She really just moved in the office in a way where I think she knew her value. Um, and she knew 
she was hired to perform a job and she wasn't willing to perform the job under just any old type of conditions. It needed to be certain conditions that that's going to allow her to perform the job. So I think seeing that modeled was immensely helpful to me because I think I got to see someone tell the job about themselves from time to time and not be fired. And so I was like, oh, maybe this whole thing. And, you know, I'll say, I do think that there are some places where the way I've conducted myself, maybe I would have been let go. I just haven't found that place yet. Um, so it's kind of like a, you know, your mileage may vary sort of thing. But I think I also have embraced, sometimes there's a self-limiting that can happen just because of the fear of being terminated. Mm-hmm. Right. And that fear, we can't use that fear for all of our decisions or we'll end up being upset and disgruntled all the time. But I love that you talked about the models that you have. I love that word models. Um, For me, I never had any models. I'm creating my own mold and model right now and trying to seek out other models in my own personal life and in my professional career. And I love that you already had that, but also when you saw someone modeling it in a space, you clung to it. You were immediately like, okay, that's what I want to be. And I want to emulate that type of behavior. For everyone out there who is still looking for models, just like myself and not like BJ, because she got them, but um, (laughs) um, just keep trucking along. And once you see somebody exhibiting the type of behavior that you want to be like, do it, I guess. Is that, is that what we're getting? (laughs) (laughs) I think so, you know, and I think I had to wait a long time to see someone professionally, Mm -hmm. um, do that and be that way. I think especially as women at work, Black women at work, women of color at work, um, there's there's just a lot there that you're constantly navigating. So I think there's this, you know, anytime I've set a boundary, there's also the, oh, well, how am I going to be perceived? Am I going to be perceived as the angry Black lady, etc.? And so I also have had to care less about that over time. I think that like, you know, Slack and things like the angry emoji, like I use that. I use that on somebody today because they had something in a, in a Teams channel that I didn't like. Um, so I think I just, <laughs> you know, I have started to care less, which I think uh, helps me to be, I don't know, like more like 360 degrees of a person, feel all the emotions, say all the things. 360 degrees of a person. Wow, I'm gonna have to go get a protractor. Oh, what's the other thing? A compass because I need to measure and ensure I'm doing the same. 360 degrees of a person. Wow, for the rest of my life, I will be measuring that in myself. But um, is that an affirmation that you're telling that you tell yourself continue to be 360 degrees, or do you have any affirmations that you tell yourself to continue to be boundaryed in all spaces? You know, I think, um, I like that one. I haven't done that, but, um, maybe I'll take that one. I think that I remind myself that people in my life did not work as hard as they worked and sacrifice the things that they sacrificed, like for me to suffer at work. Um, and so I think a lot about that. I think a lot about, um, knowing that I am most responsible for my experience at work and that I'm responsible for really holding anybody accountable to how I want to be treated. Um, 
And so it kind of reminds me of that like Will Smith video where he talks about the difference between like responsibility and fault. Have you seen it? Super interesting. Let me write it just <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really good. He just talks about how like things may not be your fault, but they are your responsibility to handle. Um, and so I think about that a lot where it's like, you know what, this is what I have to do for myself because it truly is no one else's responsibility, but mine to kind of be the, the architect of my experience at work, the architect of my experience at work. So although they may have a culture in place, although they may have values in place, although they already have a system in place, let me tell you something. I am the architect of my experience <laughs> here and I would like it to look this way. Do you have any problems with that? How can we collaborate to make sure my experience is the best experience I can have? Because I'd like to be here long-term, but if y'all cannot provide, then whoo, we need to have different conversations. But thank you so much. These are, these are gems. I appreciate them so much. And they're going to turn into affirmations for me. And I hope everyone listening, they turn into affirmations for you as well. Um, but it sounds like, you're still learning and you talk about still learning and that this is a transition for you. Could you talk about a time where you weren't so boundaried and you were unable to set a boundary at work? Yes, I can. Um, and I can remember many instances quite vividly, uh, both because it could be like a, like a, like even just you asking the question, I'm like, hmm, I have like a body sensation remembering the time. And I'm actually starting to get mad, to be honest with you, thinking about it, because um, I'm thinking about a time where I didn't have a car and my job knew I didn't have a car. And uh, it became my responsibility within my duties to um, help to set up for a program. And it was an after hours program. And it required traveling to different job sites. And there were just like a lot of materials for the program. And so I don't have a car. And I remember, you know, complaining about it from time to time or trying to get out of it in some way, shape or form, or trying to like catch a ride with someone who was going to that job site location the day before, you know, like just trying to finagle things. Um, and I remember, it was pouring rain the day before the program and I had to get these materials somewhere. And I um, ended up renting a zip car. I was walking in the pouring rain to and from the zip car from my house, got these materials, whatever. I was completely furious the entire time. Felt disgusting about the whole thing. And to just like bring it full circle to the most ridiculous thing that could ever happen is later that quarter when it was performance evaluation time my manager was like that's the type of thing that's awesome like that was you problem solving when you got that zip car that day and I'm thinking like that was the worst day of like my life and you're telling me that that was good performance that's what you want to see more of that won't happen mm -hmm. like I'm not able to actually continue doing that but in the moment I couldn't I didn't know what to say or what to do. I just knew I hated what was happening. And the fact that I was walking in the rain and all that crap. Oh my gosh. Um, 
So I have a three-year-old son and I, I get to watch him grow every single day. And I see a lot of myself in him in, in the same sentence that you just said. I did not know the words that I needed to express the emotions that I felt or what I needed to happen next. And that's, um, I'm, I'm so fucking grateful that I had a child because um, I get to <laughs> learn a lot more about myself, but more about emotions. And when we don't have the right words to express it, how difficult conversations are and how much harm we cause to ourselves because we're just not freaking capable of expressing our emotions. But I have a few emotions written down from your story, just furious, disgusting, or disgusted, um, worst day of my life. <laughs> Um, if anybody listening out there feels like that when they go to work, you need to have some conversations. <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah, but I feel the same. I've been in those situations where I'm just like, ah, well, this is what they expect. Let me just do it. Um, could you talk about a time where you're like, where you had that conversation with someone and w- was able to say flat out, no, I won't do that? Yeah, you know, coincidentally, it was in that same job. Um, and it was, and, you know, I think performance management is a time or a sort of employee process where I think a lot of this can come up, I guess, you know, especially in some instances where the company calls themselves like a performance driven organization where they actually do rate you, you know, it's not just like you get to keep working here, but there is a conversation where maybe you're given a numerical rating to describe like how well you performed at your job. Um, And so I remember being in performance evaluation and this particular manager was giving me some constructive um, feedback. And I put constructive in quotes because at this particular employer, I think that they really, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what they thought they were doing, but at times what would happen is really like weaponizing feedback. And anytime you were given feedback that you disagreed with, then they could just give you another negative piece of feedback if you didn't accept what they were saying is true. So it, 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 it was a place where I often felt very small. Mm-hmm. So, which is terrible. I don't feel that way anymore. But at the time I did. And so I'm in this performance evaluation and the manager says something like, you know, Uh, they're giving me feedback around my needing to be more uh, maybe optimistic or positive or something to that effect. And that was one of the core values associated with the company. It was one of those type of things. And um, I just remember thinking in that moment, like, oh no, like that's, I am like, no. Um, And I remember thinking, and, and verbalizing to the person, like, look, I'm not you. Um, you are willing to accept, you know, disorganization and last minute deadlines and overwork and things of that nature with a smile on your face as though nothing is going on that you disagree with. I'm not going to do that. I'm not you. Um, if you want to tell me that, that you make me a better version of myself, instead of treating me like I'm a failed version of you, like if you want to tell me how to better communicate that I'm not okay with something being last minute, um, and something that I thought was disrespectful, then you can tell me like, oh, you could communicate your concern in a different way. 
you could get into tone policing, but I'm going to put that off to the side just to say that maybe there could be something really affirmative and positive that the person mm-hmm. could be trying to help me improve in my communications. And so when I tell her all of this, like, I'm not you, I'm not going to do that. Like, I will not, not say I'm not in subordinate. So I'm going to perform the work, but I'm not going to perform the work in a setting or a context that's disrespectful to me as though I don't see that or I don't receive it as that. Um, What was her response? She couldn't say anything. I think she was completely stunned um, and taken aback. Uh, We didn't have any further issues or comments like that in the future. And, you know, I can say it now, like with more substance, but like at the time I was shaking, I'm pretty sure I was crying in there. Like there was a lot of emotion behind what was being said. So I think, you know, she may have just been so overwhelmed by the emotion I was expressing. She didn't even know what to say. She was probably like, what is happening in this performance evaluation right now? This is not, they're not paying me enough to deal with this. (laughs) Maybe I'll, maybe this is fine. So Um, I think that that was an important moment for me because I really stood up for myself and I was really focused on what I wanted to experience at work. Again, I think that that fear of, are they going to fire me? Are they going to let me go? Is she going to give me a bad rating? Stuff like that never goes away for me. I just work through it anyways Mm -hmm. and say whatever it is that I need to say to try and uh, improve the experience or just generally like stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. And even at that point, you were still trying to be collaborative, like, okay, I get it. Um, you need something from me. I will not <laughs> be doing this, but how can we get to me communicating better? Cause I'm not going to stop communicating, but how can I do this better? Do you have <laughs> skills or trainings on how I can do that? Um, so that's, that's an amazing point on boundaries because you can still say no and try to like, okay, but I still have to work with you, ma'am. And can, mm-hmm. we still have to be on this team together. So how do you want to move forward? What can we do about this? If not, then that is an issue and pill that you need to swallow in your own office without me. So yes, yes. <laughs> so that's, I'm so happy for you that you're able to do that and that you have moved past kind of walking in the rain and doing all of the things. And yeah. it's like, oh, I don't do that. Sorry. Next. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, we are nearing the part of the show where we open it to the floor for people to ask questions. So please feel free to use the chat and type in any questions that you have. I will, or BJ is in the hotspot. You can ask them anything about everything. They know everything on the planet. So go ahead and type <laughs> it in the chat. I will kick it off by asking, what are the top three tips you would give to professionals who are thinking about setting boundaries at work and are kind of afraid to do so? Yeah, so I'm kind of a big picture thinker. So I think I have to like establish the context in which I'm kind of moving. So it's like kind of establishing the worldview that all these things fall under. Um, In my opinion, so much of the the past and the present as far as, you know, labor is really exploitation, especially just like globally, but, you know, thinking about the U.S., starting with like, you know, enslaving people and not even wanting to pay them for their labor and working them 18 hours a day, then moving into like, you know, wanting to pay people a couple dollars an hour, working them 18 hours a day. And, you know, we have, 
we're, we're kind of, you know, we're over here now, but that's still just the sort of ether um, that's there. And so I always think anything that I do is, um, I'm not going to be complicit in my own exploitation. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to make it easy by pretending or smiling or just like, yeah, just kind of not making it known my dissatisfaction with what's happening. Um, so that's kind of my general orientation to it. And so when I think about um, a tip for some, like a young professional, um, like I mentioned earlier, like that fear never really goes away. Um, for me, it doesn't go away. And something that has helped to like allay the fear is money, which probably isn't a surprise, but I think that it's been extremely supportive in allowing me to set boundaries in the sense that, yes, I could lose my job. You know, that's a very real reality. But if I have money in the bank, which I do now, okay, I know that I'm not going to go hungry. Um, I know that I'm not going to lose my apartment. Um, so I just think like, I think, when did I start doing it? I think I started doing it in my first job out of college. I would put away 20% into my account. And yeah, you can put it in the stock market. I am not a finance person. Like I'm a like money under my mattress kind of person. So I just like to have the cash close that way. I know like if something happens, like I'm not going to lose the things that I have. Um, so I think, you know, give yourself whatever comfort you would need, you know, whatever that might be just to give your own self a little safety net, you know, as you take what I, I do see it as a risk in setting boundaries, but there's also a risk and a cost to not setting the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a real cost to that. Um, I think it's material cost, but also like physically, spiritually, psychologically, um, it will take a toll because it's taken a toll on me before. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just moderating or thinking about that because I, you know, I'm a numbers person. So I am often thinking about like costs, but, you know, also recognize there's the cost to yourself. Um, I think knowing yourself is extremely important and recognizing that what that other person does over there, if they want to work 10 hour days and 12 hour days and whatever else, that may work for them. It may not, and they might be forcing themselves to do it. Um, but you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to do or be what other people are doing on the job. So just being authentically yourself and really appreciating the limits that you do have um, and making sure that people know what your limitations are, especially when it comes to, I think working hours is a big thing. Um, and then what might the third one be? I think the third one might be um, recognizing that it might not come out perfect the first time that you say it, um, especially if you are, as I, I'm still on a journey to get to know myself and, you know, your preferences might change over time. Um, or I also think if you haven't established the boundary with someone and it's, it's been creeping up on you. People have been encroaching. It come out very sharp and loud when that's not your intention. And so I think just something that's been helpful to me is when someone does something that I don't like, I often think like, did I ever tell them this is not what I wanted? 
And oftentimes I'm getting better now. So a lot of things do happen up front. But oftentimes it's like, we never had an explicit conversation about that. Okay, I don't have to bring the energy of like, how dare you have done this to me? Um, it's just more like, oh, this is an opportunity for us to like go over this because clearly we see things very differently and have different preferences. Mm-hmm. That's, oh my gosh. That, first of all, those are amazing tips. Really <laughs> good. Um, I have another affirmation from that. I'm not going to be complicit in my own exploitation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I refuse. I, re- I will not be. And I another affirmation that I'll take with me. But I also appreciate you touching on you don't have to bring that energy to the space the first time you have that conversation. I used to be and I talk about this a lot on the show is I used to do you want to fight every single action that crossed my okay so I guess you want to fight me like I don't understand <laughs> why you would treat someone this way. Um, because that's the only tactic I had in my toolbox. That is the only tool I had in place. Um, now I have similar tools like, okay, they don't know my boundaries. We have not had that conversation before. Let me set you straight really quick. Yes. Um, and if they continue to do so, then that's a whole different conversation that may lead to, do you want to fight? But probably not because I'm old now, so I can't do that. But thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just going to read a comment in the chat. Okay. It says um, that they don't have a question, but they just want to say that they commend you for showing up whole every single day, setting those boundaries so you don't lose yourself at work. Um, you're amazing. And thank you for sharing your experience. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. But um, I love that they touched on bringing your whole self at work. A lot of people who don't set boundaries at work, they kind of go through like an identity Um, crisis because they act differently at work and they act differently at home and they're not setting the same boundaries they do at home at work vice versa so it's like wearing multiple hats have you ever worn well we talked about you wearing multiple hats like that um do you still wear multiple hats like that so I think that they're I think it's multifaceted because I um I and on the show, I'm like open to talking about my experiences. I think I'm a pretty open-minded and open person, but I also can be like a private person too. I think it depends on the person, the vibe. And so um, to me, like if people don't really want to talk about their personal life at work, like that's cool. Cause I've been on the receiving end of things where I feel like you're prime or I don't really want to talk about that with you. Um, And so I think sometimes in efforts of like having people be able to bring their whole self to work, I think sometimes people forget that like some people truly like they just don't want to talk about their personal life with people on the job because these things can be very transient, you know, especially me having experienced job loss last year. It's like, some of these relationships are very transactional. So it's like, you might not want to be giving of yourself and like talking about your trauma and your experiences and your personal life with this transactional figure where the relationship's just going to evaporate uh, when the job ceases to exist. So I'm always cognizant of that, but like maybe some people they're good, you know, like they're fine with having different selves, like a work self, a home self, um, I think that over time, I have just become more comfortable in just like being fun at work. Like I'm like a very silly person. Um, and so I think we, we spend a lot of time on the job. Um, you know, 
I, it really just occurred to me a few months ago that, you know, you, you got eight hours of sleep, you have eight hours at work. That's literally a third of your life. And sometimes they encroach on that where it's like more than that. And if you're a desk worker like me, that's why I have this really nice chair. It's like, no, no, no. I'm sitting for a third of my life. Like it just, it kind of has changed my perspective in some ways where I think like, I don't have time to like not have any fun at work. Um, I really try not to take it that seriously. Um, Cause I just feel like life is very, very short. And all of all of your statements are all really good boundaries. Just being able to discern like, okay, maybe I don't want to share that much with Sheila, but I'll share that much with George because I know George and I's relationship are way different than mine and Sheila's relationship. And these are made up names. So, <laughs> but um, um, I learned that recently that every relationship we are in is different from the last one. We have to set different boundaries with different people because the relationship we're building is different. Even though we're all on the same team, I act differently with this person, this person, and mm -hmm. this person. Um, your thoughts on authenticity got me thinking about how a lot of people think that authenticity means, oh, be your home self at work. And for me, it means just having the option. Like I have the option to say finna at work or do you want to fight at work or wear my hair out and twist out at work. I have the option to not be persecuted for bringing those parts of myself at work. Um, so you don't have to, everybody who's listening, but I, I would love for a day where everybody has the option to do so. Um, thank you so much for sharing that and all of your insights. I do want to know, um, I know that we talked about not having been in toxic environments before, but what were some of the, the I guess, personality traits you saw in people who were unable to accept your boundaries? Hmm. Um, yeah, this is a really interesting question. I think there might be fear mm. uniquely enough um, in the sense that I think, especially for people that are ambitious, um, in prepping for this, I thought a lot about sometimes what are impediments to setting boundaries. And paradoxically, you know, in my own life, I do think ambition can be an impediment um, because you just, you want to be successful and you see maybe either because someone's directly told you, you know, when you set a boundary that that's going to be prohibitive for your success, or you just fear that that would be the case. Um, but with regards to ambition, sometimes I think people are very scared to say no. And so I think if, if I'm working for someone and they're trying to rise their way up, they really, in my experience, promise a lot of things to their boss, to the company. And sometimes that's really overextending their people because they're saying yes to every inquiry and ask that comes in. So me saying no, I think sometimes is, is experienced as like a direct threat to their own success and their own advancement or the performance of the team. And I think they're probably scared to like lose favor or position or something like that. So I think fear and anxiety is present. Um, and 
I mean, I think in my experience so far, there have been people that I think are looking for some type of control in their life um, because maybe they don't have it in other aspects or other respects. Um, and so I think especially at times in my career where I would have been at the most junior management level, I think that's when I felt it the most because when people are searching for something to control in life, sometimes they can't control their peers, they can't control this, but what they can control is like the way that the intern does this thing or the way that the associate does this thing. It's like, they gotta go all the way down to like, to that level. And it's, it's really unfortunate that I think sometimes the people that are most impacted by um, those types of personalities or those situations are very junior staff. Mm -hmm. um, and so then that like adds another layer. I think trying to be a junior staff and set a boundary with an executive, you know, that's your boss's boss's boss. Like that's extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. Um, and the first word that came to mind was projection, just them projecting that fear and anxiety onto everyone around them because they feel it in themselves. Man, um, we do have a question in the chat. Someone that said they'd like to know more about your transition from um, people operations or excuse me, from your, your professional transition into data science. Oh, okay, great. So I, um, I recently completed a program, it was a free program, and I don't like calling it free because sometimes I think people think free means low quality or something to that effect, um, but it was an amazing opportunity through um, Data Science for All. It's a program that's put on by Correlation One, and um, they really seek to train Black, LGBTQ, Latinx, underrepresented in technology groups in data analytics skills. So I'd always had an interest in data, thought about majoring in computer science way back when that didn't happen. Um, and this kind of rolled its way around where I was like, maybe I haven't fully missed that opportunity. Maybe I can really make this move. So I did that program. It was um, part-time, all virtual, Pretty much the only thing that you need is to apply, pass this assessment, take a really quick um, interview with them and have a computer. That's pretty much the only thing they don't provide. They provide lots of instruction, they have mentors, but you do need your own computer. I don't know if that answers the person's question or if they want me to elaborate further in, in any direction. Oh, they, um, they have not Could I speak here? Oh, go ahead. Okay, okay. First of all, it is good, very good to, to hear from, from VJ. I, I was, oh, sorry. I was, let me go here. Uh, okay, sorry, sorry. And so it, it was good to, to hear from you. And I'm so, so proud to, 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 to have the experience to, to, stud, to study with uh, with VJ, VJ was my teacher, my English teacher, eight years ago in Philadelphia, and my pleasure to be here and hear from from her. My question, uh, Johnson, is about your transition. I would like to explore a little bit more about this this topic because it's not an easy task to make this transition from education 
area to data. As I'm from IT industry, I know how difficult is the data science in, in, in all the background that we have behind of data science is not easy, right? A lot of math, stat, statistics, and so it's not a, 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 a easy decision. My, my question, my specific question to be first, when did you decide to, to move to another, another, another area? And the second one is why data? I know that we explain about, about the opportunity that we got. However, it's not only about opportunity, it's about your, um, your desire, right? Something that capture your attention and something like that. Please, I would like to hear more from you and thank you, Katrina, for this opportunity. Oh, Carlos, it's so cool to see you on here. I was really happy um, that you joined and, and very surprised. So thank you. Um, yeah, you're right that the transition to data science um, and data analytics has been very difficult. It's been hard because, you know, I was not a student for over 10 years. The last time that I took a math or a stats class was a very, very, very long time ago. And there were numerous times in the program when I felt like really low, like I think they made a mistake admitting me to the program. Like I can't figure out how this is going. This seems so much easier for everybody else. Like there was this one time in lecture, it just was going so fast to me. I like turned off my camera and started crying. I was like, I can't do this. Like what? Um, no, I had no coding experience before going into the program. So I was just learning a lot of things at once. Um, and it was a painful process, but um, one of the TAs said something very valuable, which was like, if you're committed to a small degree of suffering, like you will be successful. And it's true. I tell that to everyone a little, I do think a little bit of suffering is required. And, and then, you know, something will connect. It might happen on the first exposure if you're lucky. It might take a lot more exposures, but eventually it will connect and click and then it will be much, much easier. Um, and to the other part of your question, Carlos, about like why data, I think I really enjoy, I think there's two things. There was a moment, um, I think you would also ask like when I knew I wanted to transition. And I think that um, I think I've been saying no to it when I should have been saying yes to it. Um, there was a past job where like, I was super into it and there was a data position that opened and my manager at the time was like, yeah, we're really considering you for that. And then it went to some guy. And so I was like, well, okay. Like they didn't want me to do this job. Like, okay. Um, so that kind of felt like a door closing and it just felt like I was being ushered into other directions. And I mean, there was really one day where I said to myself, you know, I could continue going on this HR path, but like, I don't want a stereotypical black lady job, you know, like there's a lot of black lady HR ladies and, you know, diversity workers. Cause at the time I had like, I really wanted a DEI job, got it. And I was like, no, I actually would like to be doing something else. And so I think it was just really accepting, like, you know what, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I don't know how it's going to work out yet, but 
I think it's extremely important that people with different life experiences, Black people, multiracial people, people from other backgrounds have these skills because there comes a point when it was not satisfying to me anymore to, you know, have to convince or talk to Mary about performing a certain analysis. I just want to be able to do it myself. That way it's going to get done. And I just wanted that autonomy and the ability to do that. So that, oh, thank you. Someone said following your guts inspirational. Thank you. Um, so that really just kind of made me think, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go in this direction. Um, let's, let's see what happens. Maybe, maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't like it. I don't know. Um, and so through the program, just being exposed to the concepts, I think there's, it requires creativity. There's a little bit of art, like there's just so many different elements to it. So it's very like intellectually and like brain stimulating. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Carlos, for asking that question. And thank you so much for answering it and sharing all of your experiences. Um, as we wrap it up today, I would love to hear any last minute golden nuggets you'd like to share with the audience. Wow. Um, let me see. I, I asked what you know, oh, do people ever reference their notes? So I'm like, you know, just wanting to see if there's anything that I wanted to mention that, you know, did not come up within the context of this. Um, you know, I think maybe I will say that I feel really responsible to, especially because I don't have children. Um, I feel very responsible to, like, there's that quote, you know, when a woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. And so I, I do have a sense of responsibility as it relates to making sure, like helping to elevate the way that a worker is treated on the job, because I mean, it's going to benefit everyone. It's not altruistic. Of course, it's going to benefit me, but it's really going to benefit everyone. And I think that some people are just in a different position to take that risk. And so I feel like that's a position that I'm in now, you know, and it's really, it's only going to help to benefit me. Maybe there'll come a time when I'm 55 years old and I'm very fearful of age discrimination. So I'm not going to be acting like this anymore, but maybe all the stuff that I've been doing and other people are doing for the next 20 years will be in a different and better position. Um, so I always think about that and encourage other people to think about really utilizing the the privilege that they do have to try and elevate conditions for workers. I love that because self-advocacy is also advocacy or advocacy for anyone who looks like you, who may be in the same position as you. That's amazing because the next time they talk to somebody that looks like you, they're like, oh, let me think about that. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for being here today. This was amazing. I have so many affirmations from this episode alone. So I'm excited to get to doing some more work on boundaries with myself later on. Once again, this was absolutely not. I'm your host, Katrina Schroll. My amazing special guest today was VJ Johnson. She knows everything about anything. So please reach out to her. Um, her information will be in the show notes when this is published next week. We cannot thank you all enough for showing out today. Um, please join us next time and continue to set those boundaries anywhere and everywhere that you can. But until next time, bye. Bye.